Hey, thanks for joining us today on the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. My name is Riley. I'm so glad you're here. Today, you're jumping into a series with us called Blessings Behind Bars. Blessings Behind Bars, because what we're looking at is essentially a letter from a Christian inmate to a suffering church. And the content of the whole letter is how we can find joy in Jesus through the forgiveness that he extends to us and the redemption that he offers to us. And today's episode is really special to my heart because what we're seeing is the Apostle Paul making some big decisions about his future ministry. He's looking at two options and just kind of wrestling a little bit. And this gives us some insight into how Paul makes decisions. And I hope that it helps you as you're making decisions about where you're going in the future, but also how you're handling your present moment today. Hey, have you ever noticed um, that we live in a society, I feel like, that is constantly wanting to move forward and just has a hard time really staying present in the moment? I think about my Instagram feed and all the announcements that I see. People moving, taking a new job, having a baby, new relationship, new something, right? And it feels like we constantly love to praise and celebrate people moving on to something different. But what happens for those of us who have stayed in the same place for a while? Maybe not even by choice. Maybe you've been kind of forced to stay in the same place. Maybe, you know, with the lockdown, it's just felt like, man, I have no freedom. I can't go anywhere. I can't do what I wanted to do. I have to stay here. Or maybe you've, you know, chosen to be here. Maybe you're like me. I've been here for 31 years. Am I, is that the longest? Who's been here for 30 years? 25. Oh, a few of you. 28? Okay, cool. What happens for those of us who haven't maybe moved on to something different, gone to a new place, started a new business, done something with school or family? I feel like sometimes we just have a hard time knowing how to handle the present moment. I don't know if you guys can feel that or not, but sometimes it's easy to compare ourselves to other people who are making moves and advancements in their life, or what we see to be advancements. It's hard to know how to faithfully steward the right now. How do we have a good attitude about staying in the same place when we see people going off and doing new things and trying and having new adventures? Maybe it's just me. I have a hard time sometimes. I compare myself to others. I feel like, man, what am I doing with my life? Why don't I just try something new? Why don't I try something different and try to make a name for myself? In the book of Philippians, we see that the Apostle Paul has, he, he's kind of wrestling right now in this particular passage with wanting to go or wanting to stay. He wants to go, but he feels like God is asking him to stay. And what's so beautiful about Paul's situation is that he looks at his current moment Remember, he's in prison on death row and has been in prison for quite a while. And instead of just wanting to go and to be with Jesus, to exit this world, he says, you know what, I'm actually going to stay. Because maybe it's not better for me, but it's better for you. It's better for you. 
what we see is that Paul has this attitude that wherever he's at, no matter whether or not he's in prison or he's in a church building, no matter where he's at, in that moment, that is for someone else's good. And he finds rich fulfillment in that because that really mimics the life of Christ, as we'll see here in a little bit. So if you're here tonight and you're feeling a little bit bummed out about where you're at in life, maybe some opportunities have shifted around, maybe some relationships have broken a little bit, maybe you're feeling a little bit beat up, like you wanted to do something, but you just can't right now, and you're just feeling like, man, I don't know how to have a good attitude about this situation. I feel destroyed. I feel let down. I feel betrayed. I feel stuck, like the lid is being crushed on top of me. Well, I have good news for you tonight, that Jesus has plans for you right where you're at. I know that probably just sounds cliche and like a total dad thing to say, but I look at all of you, and I know that God has amazing plans for you right here, even tonight in this small little courtyard. God has plans for you, that he wants to use you to propel the gospel and to love the people around you. So let's read this passage together, and we'll kind of break it down here in a moment. This is Philippians 1, verses 22 through 26. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let's pray. Lord, again, we just want to invite you into this moment just thanking you in advance for showing up. We believe that you are a God who is here, that your spirit is present that you are going to minister to our souls because of this active word. And I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters here that they too would have that same expectation, that soft soil that is ready to be nurtured and watered by your word. So we pray, Lord, just for an outflow of your presence right now. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, just a way of reminder about where we're at in the book of Philippians. We kind of mentioned it already, but we're talking about Paul, the Apostle Paul. And Paul is not in a great situation. He's in prison. Death row. Some scholars say that he had been there for four plus years in prison. And he knows that something's going to happen. He's going to meet with Caesar eventually, who was like the most powerful person in the world at the time. It's like being held on death row with the president having the authority to say he lives or he dies. That's where Paul is at. He has no idea what's going to happen. Doesn't know if it's going to be totally fatal or if he's going to be released. But he does, if you guys were here last week, you read with me that he has this hope and this confidence that no matter whether or not, if he dies, man, it's praise to God because he was faithful to Jesus. And if he lives, then that's all good too. It's to live, to live, to gain to gain life or life. And so we're jumping into this part of the passage where he's still reflecting on his mortality in a real sense. He's thinking about, you know, he's, was that Shakespeare who said, to be 
or not to be? That is the question. We have like kind of like that moment with Paul right now. He's like, man, if I stay, it's good. You know, it's good for you. Um, but man, if I left, if I was with Jesus, if I was just in his presence with my new heavenly body, well, well that's better for me. And so he's kind of wrestling between these two parts of himself, if you want to call it that, just kind of wondering like, man, what is the best thing to do right now that would honor God and honor the people around me? And what we'll see here in a little bit is that he comes to a firm conviction about which direction to go. So let's read this, uh, these first two verses again. This is Philippians 1, verses 22 through 23. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, Yet which I shall choose between life or death, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. So, Paul here. I don't know if you guys have had this kind of conversation in your own body, in your own mind, but Paul is thinking about what the effects of his life would be if he was to stay or to go. If he was to serve the people or to enter into God's presence once and for all. But notice what he says here. He says, that if I stay, it's fruitful labor for me. Fruitful labor. I just want us to think about those two words for a moment. Do you ever think about labor in your own life as fruitful? Or do you use different adjectives like maybe boring, dumb, too much, not fun, whatever it might be. Paul here says, man, if I stay, it's fruitful labor for me. What does he mean by that? Fruitful. This word literally means to pick a fruit off of a vine, off of a tree, something that was planted, that you planted, and that you got to reap from. I think what Paul is talking about here is some kind of labor that is with the people, laboring with the people. He knew that, man, if he labored, I mean, he was, he was a laborer, you know, outside of the church as well. We read in Scripture that he was a tent maker, which is just such a great job. I just love that. He must have made like two bucks a month or something, just nothing. But he, that was his thing. He's like, I'm going to make tents. Um, but think about the labor that he did as a, a Christian leader. This guy was praying with people. He was leading people. He was counseling people. He was confessing with people. He was rebuking people. He was reconciling people. He was doing so much spiritual, yet physical, relational, emotional, mental work with the church. And he saw it as something that could be fruitful. I'm sure he was thinking in his mind when he wrote this that, man, you know, me working to reconcile people. Man, doing that as God is like getting inside people's hearts, I'm going to see families restored. I'm going to see marriages restored. Relationships between fathers and sons and mothers and kids and the whole thing. That's fruitful. He knew as he was counseling people and leading them through confession that people were going to get into the light about sin. And they were going to come to a new faith in Jesus. Their lives were going to be transformed and focused on Christ and not their sin anymore. He's like, man, that's fruitful. That's going to produce so much good in the world. I'm sure he was thinking about all of that and still yet, I mean, think about that. Communities being changed. Homes being changed. 
marriages being effective, relationships being good and strong. And even with all that health that he could imagine, he still says, you know what? It'd still be better for me if I was with Jesus. I'll stay here for you, but I really want to be with Jesus. I say all that to make this point is that I feel like so often, myself included, I don't have a great expectation for being with Jesus for eternity. I don't know if you guys can relate to that. It's like, man, I don't even know what's going to happen in the future, let alone what's going to happen to me after death. Like, I know I'll be with Jesus, but is that something really to be excited about? Is that going to be a cool thing? Is it going to be boring? Is it going to be like those wallpapers I see with naked little babies playing harps and kids music on clouds and all that kind of stuff? What's it going to be like? I don't, I don't have like a great answer for you right now, but let me tell you this. Paul saw that reality as being better than any other health that you can imagine here on earth. Think about that relationship, that person that thing that you want to do or be with or see, that you feel like if you had that, then life would be good. Think about how good that might be. Think about having all the things that you want. Think about all the the communities around us being changed. Racial reconciliation. Hope for families. Hunger eliminated. Kids with every single one of them, a roof over their head. All of that, even all that goodness isn't as good as you or me spending eternity with Jesus. I don't want to elaborate on that too much, but I just want you to think tonight about what that means for you. Think about what the greatest reality could be for you today. Think about that and remember that life with Jesus is even better. And Paul doesn't give us a whole lot to think about here. He just says, look, I would just rather be with Jesus. It could be all gravy, all good. And I know that life would be even better with Christ. So Paul sees here, man, you know, I I want to be there, but I need to be here. Although it would be so good to be with Jesus, I know I need to be committed here. He says in verse 23 through 24, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Paul just understood that so much good could happen in the Philippians' lives as he stayed and led and poured out his life for people, as he sacrificed for them. But he's still, he's like, man, none of this can compare with the reality of living with Jesus forever. But check out what he says here. This is like a kind of crazy verse to think about. He says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ. Now, some scholars have looked at this, you know, this verse and have had all kinds of different thoughts about it. Some scholars think that Paul may have actually been wrestling with the idea of committing suicide in that jail cell that he was in. Just thinking, man, I just want to be with Jesus. I don't feel like that's totally where Paul was at, though, because when we read about Paul, he has this mentality that he wants to just give his life continually 
for the people around him. He's not held down by the darkness of this world that so many of us have experienced to the point of wanting to actually take our lives. He doesn't see the world as hopeless. He doesn't see a, a way of escape as the answer to getting out of you know, his situation. But instead, he chooses, he says, I want to sacrifice myself for you. I want to remain with you to give myself for you. It's better if I remain in the flesh on your account. But we see here that although he's not going to that place in his mind of darkness and no return, he's not going there. At least is what it appears to be here. He's not going there, but there is a tension between Paul's desires and his duty. His desires and his duty. And, you know, kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, that, that kind of thought about, like, how do we handle right now? This is what Paul is going through. He's like, look, this is where I'm at. I'm in prison, but I, I think that it's better for me to remain here. Although I want to go, I think I need to stay because it's going to be better for you. Maybe it's not exactly what I want, but it's for your good. And in it, there will be fruitful labor for me. So I think I'm going to stay and be here for you. Isn't that amazing to kind of read through this and just, you're, you're, you're watching a, a Christian mind at work, just kind of wrestling through the ins and outs of these decisions and these kind of troubles that we all experience. But I wanted to take a moment and kind of reflect on this, this, this idea of departing and being with Christ. Now, if you were to come up to me tonight and say you wanted to depart from your body, from the world, to be with Christ, I have quite a few questions. Uh, I'd want to talk to you about that a little bit more personally and maybe off to the side somewhere. Uh, but I want to think about this idea of departing from something to be with Christ. I'm going to take a little bit of just pastoral liberty, okay? Just go with me for a moment. I want to ask you to think about something tonight. Is there something in your life that you need to depart from in order to be with Christ? Is there something in your life, something in your mind, something at work, some relationship, some engagement, some habit, something that you know because of the conviction of the Spirit in your heart and in your mind that you need to depart in order to have a more close and intimate relationship with Jesus? Do you feel far from Jesus tonight? Do you feel you haven't heard from God in a while? Do you feel like it's crickets when you read the Bible? Do you wake up and say, Matt, I'll do that later. I'll, I'll read, I'll pray later. That, that stuff doesn't even really work for me. Let me ask you to consider that there might be something in your life that is causing you to prevent, it's causing you to not see Jesus. Something might be blocking you right now in your life from you having intimacy with the Lord. That's something only between you and God that you can see and know about. But what do you need to depart from in order to return to Christ? We all have things that we wrestle with. I have things that I am daily repenting of. Yes, I'm up here at the microphone. I'm one of the pastors here. But boy, may I get... 
I get to my dining room table in the morning. I'm like, God, we got to talk about some stuff. I'm, I'm really sorry about some things. I'm causing some wedges right now. And God obviously wants to break through every wedge, every habit, every decision, every mistake that we make. But how many of you know that sometimes we enter into these habitual sins? These things that maybe people don't see, but we know and that God knows. I just want to encourage you that tonight is the night to confess those things to God, to repent of them, and to depart so you can return to Christ. Paul here saw that, man, I have a desire to depart because if I depart, then I'll be with Jesus forever. We have the choice today to depart from sin, from hang-ups, from mistakes, from our past, to depart and to return to Jesus for full relationship with him. It is extended to you by his goodness and his kindness. God does not hold a grudge against any of us. He loves you continually. His invitation into relationship is constant and open at every moment of the day. What do you need to depart from in order to return to Jesus? Okay, we're going to wrap it up. You guys ready for this? You guys still with me? Okay. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Okay, verses 25 through 26. This is Paul coming to a resolution about what he's going to do. What is he going to do? Convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul is convinced to stay because he is compelled by the vision of seeing the Philippians grow in their faith, in their joy, and in their worship. In order to see that happen, Paul makes the decision to stay with the Philippians physically, to continue with them missionally, and to return to them purposefully. To stay with them physically, continue with them missionally, and to return to them purposefully. Now, at this moment, I don't know if you guys feel this when you're reading it, but when I read it, I'm like, Paul, I really admire your heart to be here with the Philippians, but... What makes you the guy who has to go through all this wrestling just like prove to all of us that you're going to stay? It feels like maybe Paul has like some kind of savior complex or like he's just kind of acting a little bit selfishly like, oh, I'd rather do this, but I guess I'll do this. I guess I'll just stay with you guys. Hopefully you don't feel like that. Maybe I'm the only person here who feels like that. I'm the sinner here and obviously doesn't have a great perspective about all this anyways. Um, what I think is really happening here with Paul is this. I don't think he's got a savior complex. I think he believes in Jesus. He knows that Jesus is the savior of the world and for the Philippians. I don't think he's being selfish. When we read this, he's, he's giving himself to people. He's not trying to just, I don't know, totally deny himself. He, he is sacrificing himself, but he's caring about other people. So not selfish, not savior complex. Can I suggest to you what's happening here? 
I think that Paul is wrestling with, grappling with the mission that God put in his heart because we all have to wrestle with what God puts in front of us. What? We all have to. It's not good enough for us just to hear and then just to do. That might sound a little off to you, but let me explain. There's a this kind of practice in business where in team building, you kind of go through this process of trying to build intimacy and honesty and transparency and trust with the team. One way you do that is by having a leader say, hey, this is where we're going. Now, what do you think? And everybody around the table gets to say, I don't know if I really agree with that. I think we should do this. We should do that. And you kind of go around with these different ideas until you come to a resolution where you say, hey, so my boss isn't going to change his mind, but at least I put myself out there. We wrestled with it. He heard me. She heard me. And now we're going to just continue to go forward in this direction. Now I have buy-in because I stated my opinion, what I want. And maybe it didn't totally happen the way I wanted it to, but at least I was validated. At least now I know why we're doing what we're doing. There has to be this back and forth in the the relationship in order to buy into where the business is going. I don't think that's just a business principle that somebody just conjured up out of thin air. I believe we're seeing that in real time with Paul. He, He is saying, look, God, I would, I mean, my desire is to be with you. But I know that the Philippians, they really do need a a good leader to help them right now. It would benefit them if I stay. But, like, I want to go, but I know you probably want me to stay. So, okay, now that I've confessed my desires to you, we've wrestled with them a little bit, now I'm going to come to a place of resolution. I am convinced now about, God, what you want me to do. I'm going to stay I'm going to return, I'm going to have purpose, I'm going to have mission, and I'm going to meet with the Philippians and lead them in their Christian lives. This is a huge part of our faith that many of us don't want to do for a few reasons. One, it's much easier, right, to just hear God or read Scripture and be like, it says it, so I'll do it. It says it so I'll do it. That's easy, right? Sometimes it's easy. A lot of times it's really hard. But there's there's no wrestle. There's no back and forth in that, right? I believe what God is calling us to do is to receive a word from him, scripture, instruction from him, and confess our desires in prayer and to regularly be working it out to almost willingly engage in conflict with God. I know that might sound bizarre and totally weird, but what I'm telling you is that your prayer life should look a little bit like this. You should be reading scripture. You should be presenting your desires to God. And through the wrestle, through the vulnerability before God, through the, the honesty and the trust, come to a place where you say, hey, God, I know I prayed for this. I know I've wanted this. But 
I'm coming to a place where I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to move in the direction that you're calling me to go. Why am I making a big deal about this? One is because I feel like we don't do this all that often. I know I don't. Uh, I would like to engage more and more with Jesus in prayer. Secondly, though, I believe that we see this modeled out in no one else other than Jesus. Go back to the book of Matthew with me in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 39. This passage is all about Jesus in the garden. You guys remember this story about Jesus in the garden. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he's offered up to the government to be sacrificed, killed, murdered on a cross. He knows it's coming, and he knows it's coming soon. He knows the plan. Him and the Father, they've been talking about it. They know the plan for redemption. Jesus is in the garden. He's with his boys, with the disciples, and says, Hey, I need you guys in a real way right now. I need you to pray with me. I need, you pray, I need you to pray for me. And Jesus leaves them. He goes to a spot and he prays, man. He gets down on his knees and says, God, may this cup pass from me. This is his desire speaking. He knows, he knows the plan. But he says, Father, let it pass from me. That's what I want right now. But nevertheless, your will be done. Jesus doesn't just pray this one time. He goes back to his disciples and then goes back into prayer, prays the same thing again. He goes back to his disciples and he goes again. And he goes back and the rest is history. Jesus went to the Father in prayer. He wrestled with the Father we read about sweat that is filled with blood coming off of his forehead in these prayers. He is facing a level of stress that you and I have never experienced. The anxiety, the separation he knew he was going to experience, the pain, the burden, the weight, the death that was awaiting him. He said, God, if there could be any other way, I want that. But nevertheless, your will be done. Your will be done. I'm trying to tell you tonight to engage in an active faith where you're at right now. You may not know what God has planned for you here in Monterey. I don't know how long you're going to be here in Monterey. You don't know how long you're going to be here in Monterey. We don't know how long this COVID thing is going to happen. We don't know what other natural disaster is going to happen. We don't know any of it. So what are you going to do today? How are you going to worship God today? How are you going to wrestle in prayer with him today? What desires do you have? Bring that stuff before God. He wants your input. He wants to speak to you. He wants to get into every nook and cranny of your life. The stuff that you don't want to talk about with your friends, the stuff you're embarrassed about, the, 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 the dreams, the hopes, the aspirations 
that you feel like are silly to talk about. That is the stuff that God wants to know from your heart. He wants to wrestle with you in it. He wants to work with you in it. The stuff that you don't like, maybe the doctrines of the faith that you have a really difficult time with, the things that hurt your heart, the things that you don't understand, the hurt you've experienced, maybe the anger that you have towards God, maybe the fear, the worry, the concern, whatever it is, bring it to God in prayer. This is the stuff that he wants to talk about with you. This is real relationship stuff. I don't know if you guys have friendships like this where you guys can go back and forth. There's a lot of input. There's a lot of feedback. There's challenge. There's resolution. That's the kind of stuff that God wants to do in your life because he has a purpose for you right now, right where you're at. Don't shake it off for another night. We all compare ourselves so much to the people around us. I can't do it because I don't look like this. I can't do that. I don't got time for this. Nobody will believe me. Nobody listen to me. I've said literally every single one of those things. I've complained a lot in my life. I made some bad decisions through complaining. Can I get an amen? Anybody else feel like that? Some bad decisions through the complaining. Don't complain. Bring it to God in prayer because he wants to do some stuff in your life and help you come to resolution about what he's got for you right now. You got to believe it tonight. Paul believed it. He saw it. He knew that God's spirit was riding on the prayers of the people, that God was with him in that prison cell, that God was not done with him yet, and God is not done with you yet. In fact, He's got plenty in store for you. So go to God in prayer. Wrestle. Confess. Get a little riled up sometimes. I don't know if you guys pray like this at home, but you kind of just do the very nice prayers and try to pray the, the Lord's Prayer so nicely. Stop with all that stuff. Get honest with God. Get on your knees. Cry if you got to cry. Yell if you got to yell. Go somewhere if you got to go somewhere. Bring a friend in it with you if you need to, but don't let another day go by without praying, without wrestling, without committing your life to God and committing to the wrestle. He loves you so much tonight to just go through life and just breeze off all that God wants for you would be a shame. He has so much in store for you. Thanks for being here today. Come back next Tuesday for a new episode here of the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. Check the show notes for info about following and interacting with the young adult ministry throughout the week during Shelter in Place. We hope to see you soon.